Okay, Pasa Mufasa, we are live and direct at the 41st annual Telluride Mushroom Festival today, which kicked off with a sensational mushroom beer party last night in a 19th century Wild West saloon style opera house smack dab in the middle of Telluride. And we had a ball. I didn't actually get a chance to shoot any video of the event because I was deep in the networking zone and quite a few extraordinary individuals straight up rolled up on me and were like, hey, you're the Michael Pernoodle guy. I'm like, close enough, it me. It was an absolute pleasure to connect with so many extraordinary individuals right off the bat. Friends old and new, shout out William Goss, AKA Evergreen Thumbs on Instagram, Juliana Ferchi, foundress of the Fungi Foundation, shout out Sam from Ohm Mushrooms, Alex and Lyra from Mushroom Revival, quite a few more freaky deaky mushroom folks. So here's a fun story from last night. We rolled up at exactly 6 p.m. when the Myco beer party started because I am that extra. And there was not a soul in the opera house yet except for one person chilling solo dolo in the patio area. And like the good extrovert I am, I said, what's up? And we get to chatting. Turns out it's Rob Roscoe, co-founder and chief science officer of Midasin, which is sponsoring the entire festival. And my wife, Becca, and I got to kick it with Rob for the better part of an hour, talking about novel molecules and mushroom genetics and all kinds of other fascinating things above my pay grade. And the festival hasn't even started yet. It gets rolling in a few hours with the actual workshops and panels. So while we're waiting for that fire to get stoked, let's get down to business and get this show on the road today with the Michaelpreneur Podcast newest episode. Today's podcast is sponsored by Moon Tropics Divine Health. I am actively using their cordyceps and lion's mane supplements to help fuel my eccentric and energetically demanding lifestyle. I'm currently one week into a three month run with the supplements and I'm noticing tangible benefits, specifically with the lion's mane divine night blend, which I find to be extremely soothing and effective helping me fall asleep and dream sweet dreams of neurogenesis and enhanced speech articulation. Today's podcast is also brought to you by Mycoday Functional Mushroom Chocolate. Yes, our very own in-house Rishi Cordyceps and Lion's Mane Fruiting Body Extract Mushroom Chocolate made from the straight up best cacao in the world that we personally source from the forests and autonomous farming cooperatives throughout the cradle of cacao in Chiapas, Mexico. There are 2.5 grams cumulative of reishi, lion's mane, and cordyceps extract in each bar. And it is some potent mushroom chocolate magic. Currently available in limited quantities. DM me for direct connection to that sauce. And we're gonna be rolling out worldwide first quarter of 2022. And today on the pod, we are extremely fortunate to host the founder and CEO of the world's most reliable psilocybin and functional mushroom microdosing outfit. Everybody, please give a warm welcome to Adam Bramlage of Flow State Micro. I actually found my microdosing sweet spot at 20 milligrams, which is why for anybody that's new, we suggest starting low and going slow, probably around 50 milligrams. 50 milligrams is even considered a smaller dose. Microdosing psilocybin and functional mushrooms has conferred tremendous benefit to people from all walks of life. From professional athletes currently using the Flow State microdose protocol to Silicon Valley executives who dial into the Flow State in the boardroom. And even Adam's own 73-year-old mother. 
Today, we're gonna talk about Adam's journey from treatment-resistant depression to vitality and wholeness via an intentional and focused psilocybin mushroom microdose protocol. And we're gonna tap into the dosing range and how much psilocybin constitutes a true microdose. We talk about the perceptual nature of the microdose. Also, the relationship between microdosing and enhanced athletic performance at the highest levels, as well as the rapidly evolving legal landscape surrounding psilocybin mushrooms and psychedelic medicines, all that and a whole lot more. Adam is an extraordinarily gifted communicator, and he's developed into one of the world's foremost authorities on safe and effective psilocybin microdosing regimens. I'm also going to be personally working with Adam and Flow State Micro on my first ever microdosing protocol. So stay tuned for that because I'm gonna dive all the way into this one. Folks, it's a pleasure to have you listening into the discourse. Let's get this show on the road. K Pasa Mufasa, Adam Bramlage, founder and CEO of Flow State Micro. How are you doing today, my friend? Welcome to the Micropreneur Podcast. Dennis, I'm doing great today. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. So, Adam, it's my understanding that you have a background in the cannabis industry and that you've crossed over into the emerging psychedelics industry after successfully using microdosing to cure your own treatment-resistant depression. So let's tap into that origin story for a second. How did you get introduced to microdosing? Did you develop and follow your own microdosing protocol right off the bat? And was it immediately effective for you, or did it take a few cycles to really get it going? Great questions. Uh, I'd like to say it was immediately effective for me. I was going through some really difficult times. I had been in the cannabis space for more than a decade. I was looking to get out and selling my companies. I had heard about Johns Hopkins and what they were doing with psilocybin for depression. I began to self-treat myself with some mushroom honey I had. I was probably mini-dosing to start. And over time, as I began to educate myself, I lowered it and lowered it until I found what was my sweet spot and, and my perfect dose. Um, and I began to notice as somebody that had used cannabis for depression for, for more than 10 years, that was the whole reason I came to California as I believed in the plant as a medicine. I found that psilocybin mushrooms was almost a different level. Um, it was like the cannabis was a band-aid over the wound. It was great for palliative care. It helped me get through things. It helped me get out of bed. But with the mushrooms and the psilocybin and the microdosing, it was finally like something was diving in the wound and doing the work so that I didn't have to have that Band-Aid over the wound. I was actually doing real and true healing. So I do think there is, an, there is a combination that can be used of cannabis and microdosing. I found that microdosing has helped me to smoke less cannabis and need less of it. That's the same thing that I see across the board with my clients. So um, I didn't really have any teaching, any manual to follow. And, and that's part of why I'm doing what I'm doing is education is so important here in the psychedelic space uh, as it was in the cannabis space. You know, many years ago, we had to get rid of the old myths that uh, you would go crazy or become a jazz musician. Oh, heavens no. Oh, heavens no, he's playing the tenor saxophone like John Coltrane. So yeah, so I began to see, holy cow, I'm in a really horrible place in my life. I should be playing the victim. I should be depressed. And yet I take a little bit of mushroom and I feel better. I'm able to look at my problems differently. I'm able to look at my challenges differently. 
And most importantly, I'm able to look at my traumas differently. And when you can look at your traumas differently and maybe see that they've been brought to you for a purpose so that you can evolve, so that you can grow stronger, so that you can move forward, that's something that the psilocybin and the mushrooms uh, really help me to see. And I give, I give them all the credit um, and look forward to sharing this with more and more people in the future. And as we all know, people listen to this podcast and yourself, certainly there's just such a mental health crisis in the United States and so many people who are looking for something effective and something that works and they don't need it to work tomorrow. They need it to work yesterday and today so that it's really also quite an untapped space in a lot of ways because there isn't necessarily a defined protocol or an agreed upon protocol. There's a lot of different approaches and strategies. And that's one of the reasons we want to do this podcast. And we want to have people like you on is, you know, let's get these ideas out there. Let's flesh them out and let's have some honest dialogues about what works and what are practical ways for people to tap into this power. So let's talk about the flow state for a minute, a zone so integral to human wellness also the name of the company, of course, but one that is sometimes kind of ineffable or difficult to pinpoint exactly what it is and how it shows up in our lives. So let me preface this next query with a little anecdote. I played baseball all the way to the Division One level at the University of San Francisco, and everybody in sports is looking for a competitive edge, right? So people have all kinds of strange, arcane rituals they develop to try to get into this flow state, and it absolutely exists. You know, all of a sudden you just hit this streak, and and in my own experience with baseball, it's like you could do no wrong sometimes. Other times you're completely out of the flow state, and you'll do anything to get into it, right? So I just like to tap into how would you define the flow state and what are some of the tangible benefits of dialing into it and bringing it into your everyday life? Right. And whether you're a CEO in the office or you have a small business or you're a professional athlete, getting into the flow state more often means you're going to be more successful and more productive in your business. The way that I would describe flow state is in the zone, right? And probably the best athlete to describe being in the zone is Michael Jordan. Those times when Michael Jordan got in the zone and couldn't miss a shot, he wasn't thinking. He was just doing. There was no worrying about what he's going to eat after the game or if he's going to win or if the shot goes in. It was just pure happening. He knew it was going to go in. So I would really describe in the zone as a way to be in flow state. You know, pro athletes, you see a lot of momentum in sports, whether it's baseball or tennis. Somebody can be the best in the world and a few mental errors and, and they fall apart. So again, athletes are always looking for a competitive advantage. And myself, I currently work with quite a few in the NHL. And there are quite a few current NHL athletes that are using microdosing of psilocybin and other mushrooms stacked with it to enhance not only their performance on the ice, but their performance in training, in the weight room, in their recovery, in their diet. With a lot of these hockey players that I started working with, they were chewing tobacco and drinking Folgers coffee before their games. So there are a lot of pro athletes who've never been taught diet or meditation or breath work or things like tobacco might not be helpful for you. So microdosing is already being used as a competitive advantage in the NHL. There's mixed martial artists already using it in the UFC. Um, I'm sure there's baseball players, football players, it's allowing these athletes to be in the present moment to basically when you're in flow state, there's a complete loss of time. It's almost like two or three hours could go by in a few minutes. You're just fully engulfed in the present moment. And when you're in that flow state, 
when you're in that zone, you can't miss a shot. That's why people like Michael Jordan or Wayne Gretzky or some of these great athletes have been so successful. And you can even look at large doses of psychedelics in the story of Doc Ellis from baseball. He was the pitcher who was not supposed to pitch that day, took a hit of acid, had to fly into town and fill in for a pitcher that was hurt, and ended up pitching a no-hitter while tripping extremely hard on acid. I mean, he said at one point he couldn't tell the difference. There were three catchers and three mitts, and he just had to aim for the one in the middle. So in large and small doses, there are competitive advantages. I believe personally that we as a race have been using small doses and medium doses of psychedelics for hunting to help us track animals, to give us that extra bit of energy when an animal's wounded, to run for 20 miles until it keels over, to be able to see the colors through the jungle or the forest, they pop a little bit more. Maybe the red of the ripened berry sticks out a little bit more when you've been microdosing. So I believe this is something we've been doing for a long time. It's something that we're, we're now beginning to rediscover. And yes, the athletes are using it. The veterans are using it. Uh, people are using it for mental health, giving, getting off of years of antidepressants, anti-anxieties. Uh, sleep medications, opiates, you name it. We found microdosing psilocybin as is an answer to all of that. Sure. And I want to call attention to an article that a friend of the podcast, Michelle Janikian, wrote for Playboy last year that's titled, Can Microdosing Make You a Better Athlete? And she specifically references a few different NHL players and a UFC fighter. The UFC fighter in particular, McCall, McCall talks about how you're able to perceive microaggressions in the facial movements of your opponent and just be completely in the moment and to be able to anticipate and react immediately. And that's just such a huge, potentially untapped, largely untapped competitive advantage for so many people. And of course, this carries well beyond the world of sports. We just use that as a launching point, but into the boardroom and into the world of business and into you know a million other ways, you name it. So you just touched on something, Adam, that I'd like to unpack a little more. And that's about the importance of diet where you mentioned meditation, diet, certain practices that you put into your life that really have this holistic framework. Could you just give us a little, in broad strokes, some of the importance of how diet impacts a microdosing protocol? The mushrooms have shown me over the last few years is that food is medicine, right? And your diet is so important. And what you put in your body um, is going to turn out into what you put into the world. So Diet is super important, and what people are finding when they microdose is they don't even have the intention to eat healthier or to eat better, and it's just something that naturally begins to happen after a few days and weeks of microdosing. Dr. Fadiman, the world's leading expert, likes to reference an email he got where the guy says that he doesn't crave the pizza and the junk food anymore. He actually wants the salad. He's not forcing himself to eat the salad, but he actually wants it. So Although I do coach people in whole foods and eating healthier and more fruits, less things with preservatives, no sodas, fast foods, good waters, that type of stuff. Although I preach that naturally when people begin to microdose, specifically with psilocybin, they become more attuned with their body. With the flow state micro stack, we're using chaga, cordyceps, mataki, and lion's mane. And chaga is a big mushroom for the gut and immunity support. And the more research we're finding, there's more neural pathways in our gut than there are in our brain. So although we believe that the psilocybin and the microdosing is doing most of the work in the brain, the more I talk with Dr. Fadiman, the more he's believing it's actually all happening in the gut and that we need to take 
into more account what these mushrooms and microdosing is doing for our gut biome. So there is an intelligence, a fungal intelligence with psilocybin. And for the majority of my clients, when they start getting that into their gut and their brain and their system, they're craving healthier, more natural, better foods. Sure. And let's dive in a little deeper to that idea of, uh, you, you mentioned briefly earlier, the different ranges or the doses of microdosing. Because I think this is something that a lot of people are highly interested in microdosing, right? We've read the research. They've talked to people. Some Many people are trying it themselves. But I'd be curious how you would break down the microdosing ranges. What do you consider to be the absolute minimum amount of psilocybin that someone particularly sensitive to the effects could take and still benefit? And by the same decree, what do you think, what does a mid-range dose look like? Is there like a prescriptive standard where if you're working with a certain body type, you might give them a certain amount? And what would you call the upper limit of a microdose before you get into mini-dose territory? Great questions. And the most important thing to remember is everybody is unique, just like two mushrooms that grow next to each other are going to be a little different in strength. Everybody has a different tolerance. And we're not sure exactly what makes up this tolerance. It's not really weight because I've worked with men that are 220, 230 pounds, and all they need is 25 to 30 milligrams, which is an extremely low dose. The last 10 years, Dr. Fadiman has described a microdose of dried psilocybin as anywhere from 0.1 to 0.4, which would be 100 milligrams to 400 milligrams. What I've found in my own work in the last three or four years is that there are some people out there, and it's not just women, I'm talking bigger men that have more body weight than, than most, that are very sensitive at smaller amounts. And the smallest amount I've ever heard is 20 milligrams. I heard of a, a gentleman who called us on the microdosing support network and just shared that, hey, although I'm over 200 pounds and a very big man and you would think I have tolerance, I actually found my microdosing sweet spot at 20 milligrams, which is why for anybody that's new, we suggest starting low and going slow, probably around 50 milligrams. 50 milligrams is even considered a smaller dose. So what I would say is I would say the dose range or the good starting point for people with no experience would be 50 milligrams. If you're somebody who's had experience with psychedelics before, I'd suggest you could start at 90 to 100 milligrams. Now, in my personal journey, when I get upwards of 200 to 300 milligrams, it begins to turn into a mini dose, okay? It begins to have some classic psychedelic effects. I've definitely taken something. The carpet patterns might uh, change a little bit here and there. So for me, it's at 200 to 300 milligrams. Again, everybody has different tolerances. And there is a fine line between mini dosing and micro dosing. Mini dosing is gonna have a little bit more of the classic psychedelic effects. Now it's also important to point out that micro dosing is perceptual. For many years, Dr. Fadiman has said it's sub-perceptual and he wants to get out there and say that he's probably not using the best word because the truth is people do report feeling energy, feeling increased focus, feeling something, feeling something a little bit different that is not quite sub-perceptual. So although some people might find their sweet spot in that sub-perceptual range, there are also people who get benefit from that just barely perceptual range. So again, it's important for everyone to start low and go slow. Everyone's going to have their own unique sweet spot. I find 100 milligrams to be usually the most effective place to start. And sometimes people have to take 100 milligrams and then take 125 milligrams find out it's a mini dose or it's a little stronger 
and then they dial it back a little bit and they truly know that that 100 milligrams is their sweet spot. So again, the range is anywhere from 50 milligrams to maybe someone with a tolerance 400. But I would believe personally, once you're getting above 250 milligrams, you're entering more into the mini dose area. And I noticed some of the content you were putting out about psilocybin or microdosing being perceptual. And I couldn't agree more in that I've personally experienced both with a group of veterans hiking, shout out veterans walk and talk, and also at a, a different experience, taking microdoses with a group of people and it having a profound effect on certain people to the point where it's not just the sub threshold, oh, we took it and it was really mellow, but People were having what I would call breakthroughs, and, and obviously that's not standard. It's not across the board. A lot of us were just like, hey, we, we're feeling a little effect. We're having a good time. We're getting some blood flowing in the air. But I was that was, for me, kind of an amazing thing to witness that even at that, what, 20 milligram, maybe 50 milligrams level, it was having a big impact on certain people who maybe, you know, they're, that's what they're looking for. They're looking to break through, and maybe that was the catalyst for that. So there's there's three parts in Colin Wells and Veterans Walk and Talk and what these guys are doing so well. And it's community and it's exercise and it's the microdosing. And when you combine all that, we like to call it hydrodosing. And the idea is that when you stack exercise with this smaller dose of mushrooms, it's actually spreading it out through your body. It's actually activating it a little bit more. And I believe exercise can kind of stimulate it into uh, more of a, a, a dose that you're feeling. What I've noticed in the last few months, years as well, is that when you get together in community and people are taking this together, they're feeling more sociable and more connected. And they're able to share their stories and their troubles and what they've learned. And all of a sudden, you've got this space for healing. And I'm not just talking about my healing. I'm talking about intergenerational healing. And I think that that is what is so cool is I'm seeing, you know, in my own family with my mother and father and and other people who a wife will start microdosing, and then the husband sees a change, and he starts, and then their three kids in college who've been on antidepressants for 10 years switch to microdosing, and it's, it's absolutely life-changing. So it's important that as we educate, we educate it can be perceptual, right? You shouldn't be tripping. You shouldn't have classic psychedelic effects. You should be able to drive a car and hang out with your kids and be social. If you don't feel social, it's probably too much. But if you can still be social and you're feeling a, a you know, a growing love in your heart and connection to society, connection to nature, that's the power of these mushrooms and psilocybin and microdosing. And that's why I think microdosing as a whole is going to probably get across to more people than the large dose because it's more accessible to them. And you just are leading straight into the next question I have. And I want to put it out there about how microdosing is getting a lot of shine these days for many good reasons. And I find that in social circles where psilocybin mushroom exploration is maybe taboo or underdeveloped, I come from a very traditional background. So I still regularly go to barbecues and hang out with people. And I'm known as like, oh, that guy is the mushroom guy, you know, but hasn't really caught on with a lot of folks. However, I noticed some of those same circles are more open to the idea of microdosing because Perhaps it's not as disorienting or jarring and you start to read all this research and, you know, the word gets around. And uh, I wanted to know if you find that some of the people who are coming to seek you out and your coaching practice and the flow state, micro stacks, the experiences are, are these in some cases people who have no background at all with psychedelics or with psilocybin mushrooms and they're new to it? You know, the majority are brand new to it and they're coming to me because they've tried every other thing in Western medicine and it hasn't worked, 
and they're exhausted and they're willing to try anything. And again, this is microdosing. This isn't ego dissolution. This isn't ego death. You're not going to like commune with the ancestors and, you know, leave your body. This is microdosing. This is small, subtle changes. But what it is, is it's switching your mood. You know, most of us are used to the default mode network of negativity. And with microdosing, it's actually, in my opinion, blocking the default mode network, creating new neuro neurogenesis, allowing us to think more creative and, and create new neural pathways. So perfect example of this is my own mother. My own mother is 73. She was a nurse in the Western medical model for 50 years until she retired, never used the psychedelic in her life, probably never smoked cannabis and was the last person to want to do a large dose journey or probably even believe in the medical qualities of microdosing. Uh, and within the first day that she microdosed, uh, she said that she felt like her 70 plus years of crippling anxiety was gone. And to this date, more than two years later, my mother is still microdosing. A lot of her friends in that 70 and older range are also microdosing. And we're talking about the baby boomers that maybe had a little bit too many buttons buttoned during the 60s and didn't do the psychedelics, but are beginning to realize with Michael Pollan's How to Change Your Mind and everything coming out on the internet and in the news that there are some real medical benefits to these things. So yes, the majority of the people are coming to me from the Western medical model. They've tried every pharmaceutical on the planet times 10. It hasn't worked. They're fed up and uh, they're willing to try mushrooms. And, you know, the, the landscape is changing so quickly. Like, it's almost unbelievable to look back four years or five years and, and to fast forward to today and see where the mainstream dialogue is and how much clout psychedelics and psilocybin and microdosing have, where people are talking about it and just like every mainstream narrative, it, it's, it's floundering to me. It's amazing to me. So I'd like to talk about that changing legal landscape and the changing public opinion. You mentioned Michael Pollan's book, amazing book. And I, I, you know, that's a good reference point for a lot of people. I have a friend who's a therapist that does psilocybin assisted therapy and he had his parents read it, you know, cause there, there, there's a lot of people who are like, Hey, tap into this. You know, this isn't just a bunch of fringe subculture hippies singing Kumbaya on hate street. Like this is huge potential and huge efficacy here. So let's talk about that landscape. We've fielded various opinions from established micropreneurs, people with skin in the game with mushroom companies about the impending legal framework surrounding psilocybin mushrooms in the United States specifically. And a handful of people we've talked to, absolutely, they don't think psilocybin will ever be fully, quote, recreationally legal in the United States or available over the counter, if you will, but rather decriminalized and perhaps available via authorized treatment plans signed off on by a medical provider, etc. Adam, do you foresee a future in the United States where flow state microdoses and other psilocybin containing products are legally available in the same way cannabis is recreationally available in numerous states? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, can I be the one person with a little hope out there? We obviously have to probably start with the medical model, right? We can't give these out to everybody and it's got to be people 21 years of over to start and they're probably going to start with medical conditions. But having been a part of Prop 215 and the transition to Prop 64 in the current state of California cannabis, um, you can see that as a potential pathway. I bet 20 years ago, if you would have asked somebody if uh, weed was going to be recreational 
in, you know, 30 plus states in the United States at this time, they'd say never, that's never going to happen. Um, but I'm also going to tell you that within five years, you're going to be in Detroit, Michigan, you can order sun-grown California cannabis, and it's going to be delivered by Amazon. I mean, that's just the reality of capitalism, our country, um, big money having skin in the game. So I absolutely see a period of time in the next five to 10 years where somebody anywhere in the world could legally order a flow state micro microdosing 30 pack supplement um, and have it shipped to their door. What we want to do as a company, though, is we don't want to just give you the supplement. Not only do you get the supplement, you're connected to a coach like myself and a community and you're supported and tracked throughout your experience. Um, so again, it's not just we're sending supplements, we're creating a community. And that's something that's not happening in the Western model. You know, a doctor gives you a medication and he doesn't check up with you, check up on you and see how you're doing or, or check in and have a weekly call. So I think that that's a big part of the way I see it happening. Do I think that, you know, mushrooms should be allowed for everyone to take? Absolutely not. I'm a, I'm a father. I have a 12 year old and a seven year old. And you know, there are people that should not be taking psychedelic mushrooms, kids, people with the history of psychosis, you know, people with other serious addictions. So I'm not saying that this is a free for all, but I'm saying that I absolutely do plan on being one of the first legal microdosing companies in the United States and around the world. I have faith uh, in the people of the earth and these plant medicines, which are coming on strong at this time because we are about to extinct ourselves. And they are using themselves to try and wake us up when we still might have a chance. So I have complete faith that this will be accessible. It's going to take some time. It's going to take a few years. But the most important thing is that we decriminalize before we legalize. And if we allow everybody the ability to grow their own mushrooms at home, to gather together and put on their own neighborhood ceremonies, then they're not going to have to rely on buying a product from Flow Estate. Or they're not going to rely on having to pay $3,000 to go to MAPS and, and do an MDMA session. What we have to do is we have to not put these limits on these plant medicines. We have to give people back their sovereign right to use them. And then we have to make sure that people have the option of growing them themselves. Or, hey, they don't have the time and effort and they want to go from a trusted brand like Flow State Micro and they can order that directly to their door. So I have a lot of hope. It's not one. It's not two years. It's, it's probably at least five to 10, but absolutely the mushrooms will be freed. Um, Dr. Fadiman regularly says that mushrooms do not know they're illegal. Um, I like to point that out. Mushrooms don't know they're illegal. They would probably laugh if you tried to tell them that uh, some man made them illegal. There's no stopping the mushrooms. And I absolutely see this being available for everyone over 21 around the world one day. Awesome. And I very much got that impression from your website. And we look forward to that day, hopefully sooner rather than later. And in the meantime, hopefully develop the grow gather gift model that we just tapped into with decriminalization, which is a huge narrative that's unfolding right now and one which we are watching closely and uh, especially as native Californians here. So let's tune into psychedelic finance for a bit, right? So there's all kinds of conflicting ideologies and people who, you know, think about putting limits on these things or taking the limits off, etc. And I've got a friend who jumped on a bunch of the psychedelic stocks early, did very well, and he hooked me up on some sweet positions. And then one day he calls me out of the blue and he's like, hey man, 
I sold all of my shares in the psychedelics companies because I just don't see how these companies are going to make money in the long run because they're selling something that actually works. And like what? You're, you're going to go and do your psilocybin or ketamine-assisted therapy. It's going to heal you. How are they going to make money on that? Uh, current pharmaceutical industry, you know, they kind of milk people. As you say, it's not tremendously effective. So you have, you're able to sell a lot of product. You're able to keep people coming in. So I kind of pushed back on that with him. And I said, what about microdosing? It's something where people can legitimately use it every day. And not necessarily, you know, if, if uh, psilocybin-assisted therapy works, you, you hopefully only have to do it a handful of sessions. You're not going all the time. But with microdosing, it's something that people can buy every day and can tap into it. So I just wanted to get some, I guess, perspective on that about if you think that the microdosing business model in the capitalist world that we currently live in, is this something that's a better business model than uh, effectively treating someone and then kind of pushing them out the door, which, you know, that might be a rather brash, brash way of saying it, but you don't necessarily have a regenerative income flow from these same clients if you're effectively treating them and then, you know, on, on to the next one. So I just would love to hear your thoughts about microdosing as an effective business model. I mean, I see it as an extremely effective business model and one with more repeat customers than any other model in the psychedelic space. Now, it's important to remember that microdosing is not a seven day a week thing. Microdosing has a 48-hour effect, so it can be taken day on, day off. Another protocol is one day on, two days off. So you are going to be reordering your supplements uh, more often than you would be going to take a large dose journey. You know, Paul Stamets likes to point out that he believes microdosing is the nootropic of the future, that pretty soon it's going to be like the new vitamin C. And everybody's going to be taking it multiple times a week because it gives them a creative break, uh, creative advantage. He was mentioning already that Silicon Valley one day might see that on people's resume as a creative advantage over somebody else that wasn't an experienced microdoser. So personally, I do see microdosing as a creative advantage. I do see it as the future of vitamins and nootropics. I believe that everyone and their brother is going to one day see that these combination of mushrooms with this subthreshold dose of psilocybin is actually anti-aging, anti-cancer, anti-stress, anti-viral, all of these amazing things. Not to mention, it's an incredible tool to deal with depression and ruminating thought patterns and all of these things that we fall into that lead to treatment-resistant depression and major depressive disorder. So personally, I don't see you know a better business model than something like microdosing. This is something that can treat anxiety, addiction. Uh, we've seen cases of autism, diabetes. Um, eczema is the latest that Flow State has been treating. So uh, across the board, uh, I see the world uh, microdosing much like uh, they would be taking vitamin C or vitamin D to support their brain and gut health and overall their whole immune system. Awesome. Love that. Love to hear that. I would expect no less from the founder and CEO of a microdosing company who's a very sharp cookie. And uh, we've basically tapped into everything I wanted to touch on today, but I always like to close out with the finale. It would be fantastic to hear about some of your upcoming projects that you're involved with. And if there's anything else you can share about what's on the horizon for Flow State Micro. Yeah, absolutely. We have some private mastermind classes coming up. We're going to take a look at microdosing for athletic performance. Uh, you mentioned Ian McCall, the MMA fighter. That's another individual microdosing coach and educator that I work with. 
We're going to be putting on some uh, microdosing and exercising classes. We're going to be looking at microdosing for intergenerational healing. Uh, I also just launched a 14-episode How to Microdose inter Intro course with Double Blind Magazine. So you can check out Double Blind Magazine and sign up to take this intro to microdosing class where we look at everything from the history of psychedelic use to the history of microdosing to the differences between using LSD and psilocybin as well as I show you how to make your own capsules and your own pills and how to do everything safe and effectively at home. So the best thing I can offer you is this amazing piece of education, this online course I've put together with Double Blind Magazine, um, which you can find at their website, doubleblindmagazine.com. Adam, thank you so much for joining us on the pod today. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks for shining and sharing your light with the world. Thank you, brother. Please say hello to Paul Stamets and let him know that he gets my vote for president of the Mycoverse. There's so much to cover in the mushroom universe and so many mycopreneurs leveraging the infinite potential of fungi to create a more ecologically balanced, inclusive, and equitable world for all of us mischievous little monkeys. I am completely stoked that you've chosen to spend some of your hard-earned time in our little corner of the Mycoverse. Hop on the gram, say what's up, at Mycopreneur Podcast. That's the handle. Don't get it twisted. We've got the full suite of social media up and running. Twitter, Mycopreneur. Got the YouTubes dialed in, Mycopreneur. Drop us a line. Tell your grandma and your kooky uncle. Tell your wife and your kids. If you're a Mycopreneur yourself, you want to hop on the pod, by all means, Willkommen, bienvenidos, welcome. Don't be a stranger. Let us know your thoughts on this episode and also let us know what you want to hear in future episodes. This is a team effort. Thanks for stopping by the Mycopreneur Podcast. Have a lovely day. We'll see you back here next week.